section nine of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven things needful we have thought on but the thing of all most needful that which scripture terms as if alone it merited regard the one thing needful that's yet unconsidered the chamberlain when the rest of the company had taken their departure from master harriet's house the young lord of glenvarlock also offered to take leave but his host detained him for a few minutes until all were gone excepting the clergyman my lord then said the worthy citizen we have had our permitted hour of honest and hospitable pastime and now i would fain delay you for another and graver purpose as it is our custom when we have the benefit of good mr windsor's company that he reads the prayers of the church for the evening before we separate your excellent father my lord would not have departed before family worship i hope the same from your lordship with pleasure sir answered nigel and you add in the invitation an additional obligation to those with which you have loaded me when young men forget what is their duty they owe deep thanks to the friend who will remind them of it while they talked together in this manner the serving-men had removed the folding-tables brought forward a portable reading-desk and placed chairs and hassocks for their master their mistress and the noble stranger another low chair or rather a sort of stool was placed close beside that of master harriet and though the circumstance was trivial nigel was induced to notice it because when about to occupy that seat he was prevented by a sign from the old gentleman and motioned to another of somewhat more elevation the clergyman took his station behind the reading-desk the domestics a numerous family both of clerks and servants including manipolis attended with great gravity and were accommodated with benches the household were all seated and externally at least composed to devout attention when a low knock was heard at the door of the apartment mrs judith looked anxiously at her brother as if desiring to know his pleasure he nodded his head gravely and looked to the door mrs judith immediately crossed the chamber opened the door and led into the apartment a beautiful creature whose sudden and singular appearance might have made her almost pass for an apparition she was deadly pale there was not the least shade of vital red to enliven features which were exquisitely formed and might but for that circumstance have been termed transcendently beautiful her long black hair fell down over her shoulders and down her back combed smoothly and regularly but without the least appearance of decoration or ornament which looked very singular at a period when headgear as it was called of one sort or other was generally used by all ranks her dress was of white of the simplest fashion and hiding all her person excepting the throat face and hands her form was rather beneath than above the middle size but so justly proportioned and elegantly made that the spectator's attention was entirely withdrawn from her size in contradiction to the extreme plainness of all the rest of her attire she wore a necklace which a duchess might have envied so large and lustrous were the brilliance of which it was composed and around her waist a zone of rubies of scarce inferior value when this singular figure entered the apartment 
she cast her eyes on nigel and paused as if uncertain whether to advance or retreat the glance which she took of him seemed to be one rather of uncertainty and hesitation than of bashfulness or timidity on judith took her by the hand and led her slowly forward her dark eyes however continued to be fixed on nigel with an expression of melancholy by which he felt strangely affected even when she was seated on the vacant stool which was placed there probably for her accommodation she again looked on him more than once with the same pensive lingering and anxious expression but without either shyness or embarrassment not even so much as to call the slightest degree of complexion into her cheek so soon as this singular female had taken up the prayer-book which was laid upon her cushion she seemed immersed in devotional duty and although nigel's attention to the service was so much disturbed by this extraordinary apparition that he looked towards her repeatedly in the course of the service he could never observe that her eyes or her thoughts strayed so much as a single moment from the task in which she was engaged nigel himself was less attentive for the appearance of this lady seemed so extraordinary that strictly as he had been bred up by his father to pay the most reverential attention during performance of divine service his thoughts in spite of himself were disturbed by her presence and he earnestly wished the prayers were ended that his curiosity might obtain some gratification when the service was concluded and each had remained according to the decent and edifying practice of the church concentrated in mental devotion for a short space the mysterious visitant arose ere any other person stirred and nigel remarked that none of the domestics left their places or even moved until she had first kneeled on one knee to harriet who seemed to bless her with his hand laid on her head and a melancholy solemnity of look and action she then bended her body but without kneeling to mrs judith and having performed these two acts of reverence she left the room yet just in the act of her departure she once more turned her penetrating eyes on nigel with a fixed look which compelled him to turn his own aside when he looked towards her again he saw only the skirt of her white mantle as she left the apartment the domestics then rose and dispersed themselves wine and fruit and spices were offered to lord nigel and to the clergyman and the latter took his leave the young lord would fain have accompanied him in hope to get some explanation of the apparition which he had beheld but he was stopped by his host who requested to speak with him in his compting room i hope my lord said the citizen that your preparations for attending court are in such forwardness that you can go thither the day after to-morrow it is perhaps the last day for some time that his majesty will hold open court for all who have pretensions by birth rank or office to attend upon him on the subsequent day he goes to theobald's where he is so much occupied with hunting and other pleasures that he cares not to be intruded on i shall be in all outward readiness to pay my duty said the young nobleman yet i have little heart to do it the friends from whom i ought to have found encouragement and protection have proved cold and false i certainly will not trouble them for their countenance on this occasion and yet i must confess my childish unwillingness to enter quite alone upon so new a scene it is bold of a mechanic like me to make such an offer to noblemen said harriet but i must attend at court to-morrow i can accompany you as far as the presence chamber from my privilege as being of the household i can facilitate your entrance should you find difficulty and i can point out the proper manner and time of approaching the king but i do not know he added smiling whether these little advantages will not be overbalanced by the incongruity of a nobleman receiving them from the hands of an old smith from the hands rather of the only friend i have found in london said nigel offering his hand 
nay if you think of the matter in that way replied the honest citizen there is no more to be said i will come for you to-morrow with a barge proper to the occasion but remember my good young lord that i do not like some men of my degree wish to take opportunity to step beyond it and associate with my superiors in rank and therefore do not fear to mortify my presumption by suffering me to keep my distance in the presence and where it is fitting for both of us to separate and for what remains most truly happy shall i be in proving of service to the son of my ancient patron the style of conversation led so far from the point which had interested the young nobleman's curiosity that there was no returning to it that night he therefore exchanged thanks and greetings with george harriet and took his leave promising to be equipped and in readiness to embark with him on the second successive morning at ten o'clock a generation of link boys celebrated by count anthony hamilton as peculiar to london had already in the reign of james i begun their functions and the service of one of them with his smoky torch had been secured to light the young scottish lord and his follower to their lodgings which though better acquainted than formerly with the city they might in the dark have run some danger of missing this gave the ingenious mr manipolis an opportunity of gathering close up to his master after he had gone through the form of slipping his left arm into the handles of his buckler and loosening his broadsword in the sheath that he might be ready for whatever should befall if it were not for the wine and the good cheer which we have had in yonder old man's house my lord said this sapient follower and that i can him by report to be a just living man in many respects and a real edinburgh gutter blood i should have been well pleased to have seen how his feet were shaped and whether he had not a cloven clout under the bra roses and cordovan shoon of his why you rascal answered nigel you have been too kindly treated and now that you have filled your ravenous stomach you are railing on the good gentleman that relieved you under favour no my lord said manipolis i would only like to see something mare about him i have eaten his meat it is true more shame that the like of him should have meat to give when your lordship and me could scarce have gotten on our own account frozen a bare bannock i have drunk his wine too i see you have replied his master a great deal more than you should have done under your patience my lord said manipolis you are pleased to say that because i crushed a quart with that jolly boy jenkin as they call the prentice boy and that was out of mere acknowledgment for his former kindness i own that i moreover sung the good old song of elsie marley so as they never heard it chanted in their lives and withal as john bunyan says as they went on their way he sung oh do ye ken elsie marley honey the wife that sells the barley honey for elsie marley's grown say fine she winna get up to feed the swine oh do ye ken here in mid-career was the songster interrupted by the stern grip of his master who threatened to baton him to death if he brought the city watch upon them by his ill-timed melody i crave pardon my lord i humbly crave pardon only when i think of that gen win as they call him i can hardly help humming oh do ye ken but i crave your honour's pardon and will be totally dumb if you command me so no sir said nigel talk on for i well know you would say and suffer more under pretence of holding your peace than when you get an unbridled license how is it then what have you to say against master harriet it seems more than probable that in permitting this license the young lord hoped his attendant would stumble upon the subject of the young lady who had appeared at prayers in a manner so mysterious but whether this was the case or whether he merely desired that manipolis should utter in a subdued and undertone of voice those spirits which might otherwise have vented themselves in obstreperous song he has certainly permitted his attendant to proceed with his story in his own way and therefore said the orator availing himself of his immunity i would like to ken what sort of carl this maister harriet is 
he hath supplied your lordship with wealth of gold as i can understand and if he has i make it for certain he hath had his ain end in it according to the fashion of the world now had your lordship your own good lands at your guiding doubtless this person with most of his craft goldsmiths they call themselves i say usurers wad be glad to exchange so many pounds of african dust by wilk i understand gold against so many fair acres and hundreds of acres of broad scottish land but you know i have no land said the young lord at least none that can be affected by any debt which i can at present become obliged for i think you need not have reminded me of that true my lord most true and as your lordship says open to the meanest capacity without any unnecessary expositions now therefore my lord unless master george harriet has something mere to allege as a motive for his liberality bear a different from the possession of your estate moreover as he could gain little by the capture of your body wherefore should it not be your soul that he is in pursuit of my soul you rascal said the young lord what good should my soul do him what do i ken about that said manipoles they go about roaring and seeking whom they may devour doubtless they like the food that they rage so much about and my lord they say added manipoles drawing up still closer to his master's side they say that master herod has one spirit in his house already how or what do you mean said nigel i will break your head you drunken knave if you palter with me any longer drunken answered his trusty adherent and is this the story why how could i but drink your lordship's health on my bare knees when master jenkin began it to me hang them that would not i would have cut the impudent knave's hams with my broadsword that should make scruple of it and so have made him kneel when he should have found it difficult to rise again but touching the spirit he proceeded finding that his master made no answer to his valorous tirade your lordship has seen her with your own eyes i saw no spirit said glenvarlock but yet breathing thick as one who expects some singular disclosure what mean you by a spirit you saw a young lady come in to prayers that spoke not a word to any one only made backs and bows to the old gentleman and lady of the house ken ye why she is no indeed answered nigel some relation of the family i suppose deal a bit deal a bit answered manipoles hastily not a blood drops kin to them if she had a drop of blood in her body i tell you but what all human beings allege to be truth that swell within hue and cry of lombard street that lady or queen or whatever you choose to call her has been dead in the body these many a year though she haunts them as we have seen even at their very devotions you will allow her to be a good spirit at least said nigel oliphant since she chooses such a time to visit her friends for that i kenna my lord answered the superstitious follower i ken no spirit that would have faced the right down hammer blow of mess john knox whom my father stood by in his very worst days baiting a chance time when the court which my father supplied with butcher meat was against him but yon divine has another heirt from powerful master rollick and mess david black of north leith and sick like alackaday wha can ken if it please your lordship whether sick prayers as the southern read out of their old blethering black mess-book there may not be as powerful to invite fiends as a right red head prayer warm fra the heart may be powerful to drive them away even as the evil spirit was driven by the smell of the fish's liver from the bridal chamber of sarah the daughter of Ragel. as to wilk's story nevertheless i make scruple to say whether it be truth or not better men than i am having doubted on that matter well 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 said his master impatiently we are now near home and i permitted you to speak of this matter for once that we may have an end to your prying folly and your idiotical superstitions for ever for whom do you or your absurd authors or informers take this lady 
i can say nothing precisely as to that answered manipoli certain it is her body died and was laid in the grave many a day since notwithstanding she still wanders on earth and chiefly amongst maister harriet's family though she hath been seen in other places by them that well knew her but who she is i will not warrant to say or how she becomes attached like a highland brownie to some peculiar family they say she has a row of apartments of her own ante-room parlour and bedroom but deal a bed she sleeps in but her own coffin and the walls doors and windows are so chinked up as to prevent the least blink of daylight from entering and then she dwells by torchlight to what purpose if she be a spirit said nigel oliphant how can i tell your lordship answered his attendant i thank god i know nothing of her likings or mislikings only her coffin is there and i leave your lordship to guess what a live person has to do with a coffin as little as a ghost with a lantern i trow what reason repeated nigel can a creature so young and so beautiful have already habitually to contemplate her bed of last long rest in troth i can my lord answered manipolis but there is the coffin as they told me who have seen it it is made of heban wood with silver nails and lined all through with three piled damask might serve a princess to rest in singular said nigel whose brain like that of most active young spirits was easily caught by the singular and the romantic does she not eat with the family who she exclaimed manipolis as if surprised at the question they would need a lang spoon would sup with her i trow always there is something put for her into the tower as they call it wilk is a wig maliri of a whirling box that turns round half on the tay side of the wa half on the t'other i have seen the contrivance in foreign nunneries said the lord of glenvarlock and is it thus she receives her food they tell me something is put in ilka day for fashion's sake replied the attendant but it's no to be supposed she would consume it only mare than the images of bell and the dragon consume the dainty vivers that were placed before them there are stout yeomen and chamber queens of the house enow to play the part of licket up uh, as well as the threescore and ten priests of bell besides their wives and children and she is never seen in the family but when the hour of prayer arrives said the master never that i hear of replied the servant it is singular said nigel oliphant musing were it not for the ornaments which she wears and still more for her attendance upon the service of the protestant church i should know what to think and should believe her either a catholic votaress who for some cogent reason was allowed to make her cell here in london or some unhappy popish devotee who was in the course of undergoing a dreadful penance as it is i know not what to deem of it his reverie was interrupted by the link-boy knocking at the door of honest john christie whose wife came forth with quips and becks and wreathed smiles to welcome her honoured guest on his return to his apartment End of chapter seven